0: Welcome to Animals Today, your home for serious talk about animals. I'm Dr. Lori Kirschner. The African country of Tanzania is home to large populations of lions. As you know, lions, especially mature male lions, are highly prized targets of trophy hunters. News just came out that a United States hunter was given a permit by the Trump administration to import his killed lion trophy, meaning its skull, its skin, its claws and teeth, into the United States. This is the first such permit issued since lions were given protection under the Endangered Species Act in January 2016. So, what's going on here? What's behind this story? And what do we know about conservation of wild animals in Tanzania? And how worrisome is the granting of this permit? To address these questions and more, I'm very pleased to welcome back to the show Iris Ho. Iris is Senior Specialist for Wildlife Programs and Policy for Humane Society International. Welcome back to the program, Iris.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, Lori, and it's good to be uh, back in the show uh, with you and also with your listeners.
0: Iris, let's begin by getting a better understanding of the process of importing trophies to the United States. Why is a permit needed? Who decides whether a permit is granted? And what are the factors going into that decision?
1: So uh, United States, um, as some of your listeners uh, might know already, um, is the largest uh, importer of uh, hunting trophies. And um, when a trophy hunter, uh, before he or she goes abroad to hunt a wild animal, he or she would need to apply for a permit uh, with um, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, which is the federal government agency, uh, reviewing and approve or deny these import applications. Um, and the reason why there need to be a processing, a permitting process, is because oftentimes uh, these, these wild animals that will be hunted, um, there are international regulations. It's international laws uh, governing the protection of these uh, international trade of these animals. So, for example, if we're talking about elephants um, and lions. Uh, they're listed in the Convention on International Trade in Endangered Species, um, also known as CITES. So when, uh, when the animals are listed in CITES and any export of the specimens of these uh, listed species, um, the exporting countries have to demonstrate that the imports um, are not detrimental to the survival of the species. You know, it's called non-detriment finding, NDF. And uh, because if we're, again, you know, we're talking about lions and ele- elephants. They are listed um, here in the U.S. in the U.S. Endangered Species Act. So within the U.S., we also have a regulatory regime um, under the ESA um, and that would make sure that the import um, of these specimens would enhance the survival of the species. So you notice there's you know, a, a difference between the two processes. One is the non-detriment finding. And here in the US under the ESA is the enhancement of finding process. So in a way, the US law is more vigorous than uh, a non-determined uh, detriment finding process, you know, say from the African uh, countryside. And so that is the process and permitting uh, process um, that is involved in a uh, hunter bringing a trophy back to the U.S.
0: Thanks for explaining all that. So, Iris, please tell us what happened in this case and also why Humane Society International believes this permit should not have been granted.
1: I mean, we're very uh, concerned uh, about this particular uh, uh, permit. Uh, This is the first uh, import of a lion trophy from Tanzania since African lions are listed in the Endangered Species Act in 2016. And we're concerned, you know, for a variety of reasons. I mean, first, uh, we are concerned that it's going to open the floodgates for other alliance, um, import applications uh, to be approved. Uh, we're talking about, we-, we are aware that there are at least 40. Other applications to import lion trophies uh, from Tanzania, mm. so it's going to uh, open the floodgates uh, for that. But also, we are very concerned that it would also, uh, Fish and Wildlife Service might very soon be approving import of elephant trophies from Tanzania. Mm. Yeah. And, um, and and you or you know your listeners uh, might uh, might remember, and I can refresh your memory, is that back in 2014, uh, under the Obama administration. Elephant trophy imports from Tanzania was prohibited um, because, you know, this is a country that has a history of mismanagement of wildlife resources, especially um, elephants. Uh, This is Tanzania has experienced, you know, almost 60 percent of elephant poaching. Um, and, And so, you know, this is the last thing that animals, whether it's lions or elephants, need is, you know, more targets on their head.
0: Exactly. Iris, how many African lions are there in the wild and where are they located?
1: Yeah, so um, there are about 20, as few as 20,000 lions uh, left in the wild. And, you know, Tanzania is indeed, um, is actually a stronghold uh, for lion populations. So we're talking about probably 40% um, of lions, while lions in Africa reside in Tanzania. And that being said, you know lions are facing a variety of threats already. Um, you know, habitat loss and, and habitat degradation um, is a major threat to not just lions but wildlife in general globally. And lions um, also face uh, retaliation killings uh, from the local communities. You know, for com- coming into conflict uh, with the local communities and also with livestock, and and so these are the existing threats uh, for lions um, in Africa and also in Tanzania. And trophy hunting is a necessary threat uh, for them, just because you know trophy hunters want to kill them for bragging rights. And you know, and Laurie, going back to um, to Tanzania's lion conservation status. This is this is a, I mean, the lion scientists in Tanzania have huge concerns uh, about trophy hunting um, of lions. Scientists have uh, commented that trophy hunting is one of the major threats uh, to lion population decline. Um, you know, there's age requirement usually, minimum age requirement when it comes to uh, trophy hunting of animals. So in Tanzania, the age, the minimum age requirement is six. So, you know, a hunter cannot um, kill a lion um, six years old and, and younger. But according to these lion scientists who've done, you know, decades of research uh, in Tanzania, they, you know, have gone on the record um, saying that, you know, these uh, age limit is not appropriately enforced by, by hunters. And, and hunting outfitters, so we're talking about killing, you know, young lions, and you know, killing especially male lions uh, who are ahead of uh, lion pride uh, would lead to uh, social uh, instability, um, disrupts uh, social cohesion. Um, And so there will be also cascading um, deaths of lions because uh, other lions, male lions um, of competing pride, uh, would move in and kill the cubs. And, you know, lion scientists, you know, have talked about um, trophy hunting of a lion specific in, in Tanzania is biologically unsustainable. And in Tanzania specifically, um, this uh, trophy import by approved by Fish and Wildlife Service has no independent scientific input.
0: Give us an idea of how many lions are hunted and killed in Africa.
1: We did a study. This is a couple of years ago. Um, so if we look at the import of um, uh, wildlife trophies. Um, into the u s and uh, we're talking about you know one point two million uh, wildlife trophies um the last decade that were imported um, into the u s and you know this is you know maybe about you know three hundred and forty five three hundred some animals. Uh, per day um, that are being imported into the U.S. Um, as, as wildlife trophies. And within these imports, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, five, I think 5,600 uh, lions um, are killed uh, in the last decade by American trophy hunters. And, you know, if we talk about elephants, um, it's probably, it's also similar to fiddler. You know, we're talking about, you know, more than 4,000 elephants killed um, Killed by American trophy hunters and you know leopards um, as well like I said earlier at the beginning of the show that U.S. is the largest um, importer of trophy uh, hunting trophies I mean it's, it's shocking to a lot of people but, you know, every time when I repeat these, these figures, I'm still, you know, baffled by the prominent prominent role that U.S. plays um, in trophy hunting on these iconic, majestic, um, and at-risk species.
0: Okay, stick around. We're going to continue our discussion about trophy hunting right after the break. This is Dr. Lori Kirshner, and you're listening to Animals Today. I'm proud to say that we are now in our 11th year of continuous weekly broadcasts, bringing you animal welfare and animal rights news and stories from around the globe. You can find us on your radio dial at AnimalStodayRadio.com, or you can subscribe to the Apple Podcast on iTunes. And remember to follow Animals Today on Facebook and join the conversation. So, to stay up to date on the animal issues you care about, to learn from the top leaders and experts, and to discover what you can do to help animals Join us each week. See you then.
2: Most people know that chocolate is dangerous for dogs and cats to eat. But did you know that coffee and tea are dangerous for pets, too? There are many foods you should not let your pets eat. Onion, garlic, yeast dough, and even avocado. Grapes and raisins are especially toxic to dogs, too. Even certain plants and flowers can be toxic or deadly to pets. Cats should not be allowed to eat lilies, daffodils, tulips, or sago palm. And make sure your dogs don't eat azalea, lilies, or sago either. Another danger area, especially with dogs, is eating medicine meant for people. So make sure pills are out of your pet's reach and in safe containers. And of course, leftover bones can crack and cause choking. So don't give bones to dogs. Remember these pet safety tips to keep your pets healthy and happy all year round. This message is brought to you by Advancing the Interests of Animals. Visit them at AIanimals.org. That's AIanimals.org.
0: Back to the show. We're speaking with Iris Ho with Humane Society International. Iris, what about the arguments, and these come up all the time, that trophy hunting helps species by culling the population of older, unproductive animals and providing income to local communities, which gives them incentive to conserve species?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I get really annoyed personally when I hear that because you know we let's just you know look at what kind of animals that trophy hunters uh, take out. They take out the biggest and strongest animals, right? Dominant male animals, you know, with with you know dark mane like Cecil um, in in Zimbabwe, or you know animals with with big horns or antelopes. And the Safari Club International, which is the largest trophy hunting promoting organization, industry group, I mean, they have these you know, record books, which particularly ranks the kills of animals based on the, the size of their antlers or horns. And, and so, you know, trophy hunting, um, you know, I, this, the, the truth is that they, they take out not older animals, but the biggest and most dominant males. And by doing that, uh, trophy hunting actually harms conservation because these bigger, stronger animals... Are the genes that should be passed down to the next generations? Um, so, doing by taking out these animals, uh, trophy hunting uh, weakens genetic diversity, and it's you know completely at odds uh, with the nature's uh, survival of the fittest, uh, selection. Um, and I think you know the, the the matter of fact is, trophy hunting doesn't promote conservation and um and very little of of the trophy hunting revenues uh, go to the community there's no evidence that um the majority of the revenues goes to goes to the community uh, we did a study uh a while back uh showing that trophy hunting revenues uh, represent just a 0.03% of the the GDP of the countries that we survey um so it's minuscule um, to to the uh, the economy of the countries that allow trophy hunting and and you know in contrast if we look at non-consumptive uh, wildlife tourism you know wildlife watching specifically um, a, a recent study um, that came out shows that non-consumptive wildlife tourism generates forty eight billion dollars in revenue hmm. for African countries per year it, it's absolutely a huge contrast. Uh, you have a dying industry that generates um, a minuscule of uh, of uh, revenues, and most of which, you know, has no evidence uh, go to the communities. Versus, you know, an industry, a, a business that is, you know, doesn't harm, that promotes living, thriving wildlife, while in the meantime generates millions of jobs uh, for the locals and billions of dollars of revenue uh, for the African
0: country. Last time you are on the show, Iris, you spoke with Peter about what you discovered at the Safari Club International Convention in Nevada. As we know, that group promotes trophy hunting around the world.
1: Yes, I mean, it's, it's the largest industry group that promotes uh, trophy hunting. And what's concerning is in that, you know, and they have a huge uh, influence, with especially with the current uh, administration. They, you know, sit on the you know so-called International Wildlife Conservation Council, which is the federal advisory council, um, which should be promoting wildlife conservation given its name. But when, in in fact, um, what the council does and also Safari Club International wants is to weaken uh, import regulations so that they can kill more animals and import more animals uh, for their trophies. I
0: understand that Humane Society International has filed multiple lawsuits against the Trump administration over its trophy hunting policies. Are any of them related to this Tanzania
1: lion trophy? We have a, a few uh, lawsuits concerning uh, the trophy hunting um, a policy by the administration, and, and, and some of the lawsuits could be applied to this uh, particular lion trophy. So for example, well, one lawsuit that we filed is against the Fish and Wildlife Service policy to determine import hunting trophy um, imports on a case-by-case uh, basis this policy uh, we're against this policy because um it it gives the agency the opportunity to make uh, these trophy import decisions uh, behind uh, behind doors um, has, you know, it will have no public input, as we've seen with this case of the Tanzanian lion trophy. Uh, the public uh, does not uh, have uh, opportunity to uh, provide input, and that also includes input from independent scientists, um, including those uh, who have done decades of research of lions. Uh, in Tanzania. And so that is one lawsuit that we have against the Trump administration on trophy hunting. And another uh, lawsuit, uh, as I said earlier about the International Wildlife Conservation Council, uh, we also have a lawsuit uh, challenging the formation of this council. Again, you know this is this is a totally one-sided uh, council members. Um, all of the members are either trophy hunt trophy hunters, some are celebrity trophy hunters. Um, or firearms um, industry representatives or trophy hunting industry um, uh groups. And, and so, you know, this is um, this violates federal law, um, on, on fair and, and balance and also transparency requirements um, under federal regulations we also uh, continue to um, to challenge the administration for not releasing publicly releasing these trophy import um, decisions in a transparent and, and prompt manner. I mean, this is something that, as you, you know, the public has a huge interest um, in knowing when a trophy import of, you know, whether it's lions, you know, or, or elephants uh, or leopards uh, is approved. Um, there's huge public interest in it, um, but the agency um, and also the administration continues uh, to delay in releasing these information to the public. And, you know, we think the public has a right to know these information and um, in not only a transparent matter, but also in a timely fashion.
0: You bet. Iris, just before the news about this Tanzania lion came out, the Fish and Wildlife Service allowed another hunter to import a rhino trophy from Namibia. Humane Society International was critical of that decision, too. Are the arguments against importing that rhino trophy the same as the arguments against importing the lion trophy? Yeah, I mean, it's
1: we're talking about, it's it's not just, you know, a, a rhino trophy. We're talking about a critically tru- critu- endangered species, a right. uh, black rhino uh, trophy. And mm-hmm. this, this uh, critically endangered species it faces its poaching threats. I mean, rhino uh, poaching uh, continues to be a, a concern. And specifically in, in Namibia, where the animal was hunted, uh, we're talking about a very alarming uh, increase of rhino poaching. Uh, the poaching rate, rhino poaching rate in Namibia actually has tripled uh, in recent years.
0: Okay, we got to take one more break, but when we return, Iris is going to tell us what each of us can do to help protect African wildlife. Hi, this is Lori. And it's Peter here. And make sure you check us out at AnimalStodayRadio.com.
3: AnimalStodayRadio.com.
0: And visit us on Facebook.
3: And you can also subscribe on iTunes. Listen to us on iTunes. That's AnimalStodayRadio.com. Thanks for listening.
0: back to animals today iris what can our listeners do to
1: help stop
0: trophy hunting
1: for trophy hunting specifically uh right now uh, in u.s congress there is a piece of legislation it's called the cecil act it's um house resolution 2245 um so the cecil act um, it just passed the House Natural Resources Committee yesterday, uh, but you know we still have to. and We would love for this bill to go to the go to the floor. So the legislation would uh, strictly, uh, strictly uh, tighten um, the import of um, and export of any species uh, listed under the ESA, um, and it would also prohibit the import. Um, of elephant trophies from Tanzania, uh, Zambia, and Zimbabwe. Uh, it's intended to make sure that, um, you know, United States doesn't uh, promote trophy hunting of threatened um, and endangered species, and, you know, it would hold uh, trophy hunters and trophy hunting uh, interests accountable to their actions. We would, you know, love for, for your listeners to call um, their, contact their uh, house of representatives and urge them to uh, co-sponsor uh, the CISO Act um, or to, you know, vote for the CISO Act when it comes to the floor. But you know, more education, you know, speaking to your elected officials always helps, and let them know that you don't support trophy hunting
0: since the act is named after Cecil the lion, why don't you remind us who Cecil was and about his tragic story?
1: So Cecil was uh, an iconic uh, male African lion um, that was killed um, by an American trophy hunter in uh, Zimbabwe outside Hwange uh, National Park specifically, four years ago. And um, Cecil was um, lured um, out of the the Huangge National Park, um, actually, you know, with the with an elephant carcass. Cecil was intentionally lured
0: out of the park.
1: Yes, he was intentional, and, and the reason why he was targeted uh, was because he he was he was famous for his dark mane. He if you know if you saw his photo, you would not forget what he looks like. He has majestic. A regal dark mane, and so he was lured, specific with uh, elephant carcass as a bait, out of the Huangge National Park, Mm. and the hunter uh, shot him first with an arrow, Um, that didn't kill Cecil right away every time I speak this story, I feel so emotional. Okay. Uh, CISO then suffered, you know, 10 agonizing hours, um, if not longer, mm-hmm. uh, before the hunter finished him off the next day. <sighs> and the, the, and Cito was was not... Just uh you know an ordinary lion, not only you know because he was uh very famous to the safari uh wildlife watching circuits there in in Zimbabwe, but also uh very importantly that he was a research called uh, animal for University of Oxford uh researchers uh, from Oxford have been studying for for several years until he was killed and the hunter when they kill him and then also the hunter's professional hunting guide, when they kill uh, Cecil they saw the research collar around Cec- Cecil's neck and they you know they knew that they killed a research lion and so they threw away the research collar Somewhere, um, because they, they they feel guilty. I mean, even though you know it was legal to kill a research lion in Zimbabwe, which is was a whole other story. So that's why Cecil's um, fame, uh, because he was a majestic and regal looking, but also he was a, a study um, a subject to uh, University of Oxford. So Cecil contributes to lion um, science and in Tanzania, and also just, you know, lion conservation in general. Um, that's, you know, another value that CISO uh, brought. And, you know, I would also just add, you know, CISO was also a father. Let's not forget that. Cecil um, actually, you know, sired cubs in the last years um, of his life. And so that goes back to, you know, debunk that um, just because an animal is older, uh, then, you know, we could kill him. Um, you know, Cecil by Toby Hunters, you know, Cecil, you know, was a father. And adding insult to injury, um, if I can add more information, Cecil's oldest son, two years later, Cecil's uh, oldest son, he also, he had a name, Zanda, was also killed um, by a trophy hunter not far from where Cecil was killed. And, and so, you know, again, the, the killing of Cecil, um, his iconic image splashed across uh, headlines worldwide and, and really shined a, an ugly spotlight, but much deserved a spotlight on how cruel
0: uh, trophy hunting is. Is it common for trophy hunters to use bait to lure their prey out of protected areas?
1: Yeah, yeah, this is really something that most people didn't know about, to use a bait to lure lions um, out of uh, a protected area, that is a very common practice um, mm. in trophy hunting. And, and that's why I always laugh at uh, when trophy hunters say, oh, you know, but we go to all the remote areas where wildlife uh, viewing tourists um, wouldn't go. And, you know, I will call them bluff. You know, Cecil was, um, you know, lured out of a Hwangi National Park. Um, and trophy hunters and trophy hunting outfitters, they, they, you know, most of them are around uh, protected areas all across Africa. Why? Because they rely on the animals protected in those protected areas to wander outside those areas and wander into You know the areas hunting concessions um, nearby, so that hunters can can kill them, and animals don't recognize protected areas borders, and and that's where you know the trophy hunting are are waiting uh, to to kill them, and and so Cecil you know epitomizes. epitomizes the trophy hunting practice yeah. um, and but let's not forget that you know many lions um, elephants and, and leopards and, and you know other animals are killed by american hunters um, just for bragging rights and for fun
0: for bragging rights and for fun so sad
1: so you know, I, I would say that um, the legislation right now pending in in U.S. Uh, Congress, uh, the Cecil Act, uh, named after um Cecil, um, is is the legacy of Cecil. That's right. Uh, he he you know has educated his killing has brought light on um, this um this industry who takes pleasure in killing iconic animals uh, who disrespect Science and trophy hunting actions undermine science. Um, and so, you know, I, I really hope that the listeners, you know, when you have a chance, um, you will take time to contact your elected official and urge them to support the Cecil
0: Act. Iris Ho with Humane Society International, thank you very much.
1: Yes, anytime. It's my pleasure.
0: The Cecil Act. Named after beautiful Cecil the lion, this act takes aim at trophy hunting imports. Wouldn't that be nice if something good comes of the tragic death of Cecil? Cecil was one of Africa's most famous lions, and certainly the most famous animal in Zimbabwe's Hwangi National Park. He was a major tourist attraction to the park, and he was also being studied and tracked by University of Oxford as part of a long-term study in order to benefit conservation and benefit other animals like Cecil. Cecil was a beautiful, beloved animal, and you can see videos of him with his shiny golden coat and big, beautiful mane, and he's walking around with that lion's walk, you know what I'm talking about, looking very majestic and charismatic, and other videos or photos showing him just hanging out, content, enjoying his environment and surroundings, and then an American trophy hunter, A disgraceful, despicable human being, Walter Palmer is his name, ended the life of this beautiful animal. Dr. Walter Palmer, he was a Minnesota dentist. I wonder if Dr. Palmer still has a dental practice. Who would want to be his patient? I mean, I choose healthcare providers partly because I think they are or would be a compassionate, sympathetic, caring individual. I don't see how this person, Walter Palmer, this kind of person who gets pleasure out of brutally killing beautiful animals like Cecil and then skinning him and beheading him. All for what? For bragging rights. So we can have a hunting trophy. Walter Palmer's boasted about shooting a menagerie of animals with his bow and arrow. According to the New York Daily News, prior to Cecil, Palmer has proudly killed at least 43 animals over the years with his bow and arrow, including a polar bear, walrus, wolf, California bighorn sheep, and a rhinoceros. And with Cecil... Walter Palmer lured him out of a protected reserve, using a dead animal as bait, then shot him with a bow and arrow, wounding Cecil and allowing Cecil to suffer for 40 long hours before finally finishing him off. And Walter Palmer tried to conceal the research collar that was attached to Cecil. Like, you think you're going to get away with that, you pathetic man? And by the way, this is not the first time Walter Palmer illegally hunted and killed an animal. In 2006, he illegally killed a black bear, and he lied to federal authorities about it. I don't know about you, but I can't bear to look at the photos of trophy hunters posing with the dead animal they just killed. You see the photos of Walter Palmer proudly smiling, standing over poor, lifeless Cecil. And Dr. Palmer claims he was devastated. Yep, that's the word he used, devastated, when he learned Cecil was a research animal. Yeah, right, the pictures show how devastated you must have been. Who would want this guy taking care of their teeth? I wouldn't want this guy's disgusting fingers in my mouth. The tragic death of Cecil, one of Zimbabwe's most loved lions, sparked outrage around the world. His death was mourned by thousands on social media. Do you remember when TV host Jimmy Kimmel gave an emotional monologue condemning the killing, shaming Walter Palmer? There were protests in front of his office. Reportedly, he received death threats. I can't say that's right, but you know what? Nobody is to blame for the consequences of his brutal killing but Walter Palmer. By the way, in terms of consequences, Walter Palmer faced no legal repercussions for killing Cecil the lion. Initially, the government of Zimbabwe said it would prosecute both Palmer and the professional guide who took him on the lion hunt. But the government of Zimbabwe never filed the extradition paperwork required to bring Palmer back to Zimbabwe and face charges. Why didn't Zimbabwe fall through on the charges? Well, my guess is had Zimbabwe charged Palmer, that would dissuade future hunters from going there to hunt in fear that they might be charged with something. And Zimbabwe depends on money from these trophy hunters. Remember, reportedly Palmer paid $50,000 for the hunt. I can only hope now that something good comes of the tragic death of Cecil the lion. And maybe Cecil's death will save other animals from suffering the same fate. I'm Dr. Lori Kirschner. You're listening to animals today. There are numerous surveys that come out each year with their list of the most and least pet friendly cities, right? 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 So here's another one. This is from Wallet Hub, which looked at a hundred of the largest cities. So they found the top 10 most pet-friendly cities to be... You want to guess, Peter? Oh, let's see. Uh, Austin, San Francisco, Boston, Omaha. Okay, wrong. That was terrible. You didn't get any of them. Number one most pet-friendly city, Scottsdale, Arizona. Next, Orlando, Florida, Tampa, Florida, Austin, Texas, Phoenix, Arizona, Las Vegas, Nevada, Atlanta, Georgia, St. Louis, Missouri, Seattle, Washington, Portland, Oregon. Least pet-friendly cities, Detroit, Michigan, Aurora, that's in Colorado, Nashville, Newark, Santa Ana, Chula Vista, that's in California, Milwaukee, Buffalo, Laredo, Texas, Fresno, California. Yeah. A few side notes here, Peter. Miami has the most veterinarians per person, and Newark, New Jersey is the city with the fewest veterinarians. St. Paul, Minnesota has the lowest monthly dog insurance premiums. And San Francisco is the city with the highest dog insurance rates. San Francisco also has the most pet businesses per person. Newark, New Jersey, the city with the fewest pet businesses. Okay, here's something fun for you to think about. An annual survey conducted by NORC at the University of Chicago found that more dog owners are happier than cat owners. 36% of dog owners surveyed said that they are, quote, very happy, while only 18% of cat owners said they were very happy. Also, the survey found that dog owners are more likely to be married and more likely to own their own home than cat owners. And the survey found that both marriage and home ownership both contribute to life satisfaction. Mm. Peter, who do you kiss more? (laughs) Me or our dogs? Mm.
3: Fine kiss.
0: According to a survey conducted by Riley's Organics Dog Treat Company, over half of individuals, 52%, admitted to kissing their dog more than their partner. Okay, next question: Who do you prefer to sleep in bed with? Me, your wife, or your dogs? Let's... Okay, you not responding tells me the answer. To that one. Same survey report that more than half of the individuals also said they prefer to sleep in bed with their dogs over their partner. Ready to honestly answer my next question on national radio? Go ahead. Who would you consider as your best friend? Mm -hmm. Our pit bull mix Cosmo or your wife? Oh, wow. Oh, equal,
3: equal. Two best friends.
0: Should I be upset that you're answering this honestly? Or should I be (laughs) Do
3: these pants make me look fat? <laughs> That's right.
0: <laughs> okay, not surprising, 94% of pet parents surveyed said they consider their dogs to be one of their best friends.
3: If you had more Pitbull in you, I think I would kiss you more about it. <laughs> <Okay. a room. laughs>
0: Peter, you have some news you want to share with us.
3: I certainly do. Uh, In Ohio, do you know that uh, shelter animals have just been named the official state pet of Mm -hmm. Ohio? You know, a number of states have already done this, naming shelter animals their state pet, including Colorado, California, Illinois, Tennessee, and Georgia. And uh, right now, Texas and Oregon are also considering the same sort of legislation. As you know, this is designed to raise awareness about the plight of animals in shelters, so you want to go adopt them, right? Ohio, Laura, you know, is the Buckeye State. Do you you know what a Buckeye is? It's a tree. I'll just answer that for you. It's not
0: an eye of a buck.
3: (laughs) The state motto of Ohio is With God, all things are possible. The gemstone is the Ohio flint, the insect is the ladybug. The state fossil. Do you know Ohio has a state fossil? Isotelus is the state fossil. It's a kind of trilobite, if you know what a trilobite is. The state mammal is the white-tailed deer. The reptile is the black racer snake. And the amphibian is the spotted salamander. So now you know all your Ohio official trivia. There's one more, though, uh, the state rock song. Do you know Ohio has an official state rock song? Hang on, Sloopy.
0: That's great. Isn't that good? That's great. I wonder what Why? other stuff. Why do you think? I
3: don't know. You know, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is there. Does that have anything to do with it? I don't know. But they have a song. <laughs>
0: Well the McCoy's sang hang on Sloopy so maybe the McCoy's or one or two members were from Ohio. Oh, that's a that's yeah. good. I don't yeah, know. who knows.
3: Remember recently we were talking about the sudden death of dogs that were swimming in ponds they were infected with the toxin from blue-green algae that yes. cyanobacteria and uh, we learned that they got acutely ill and many of them just died suddenly from overwhelming organ failure, like liver failure. It's really tragic. Well, I just came across a new affordable test from a company called Five Strands. It's their blue-green algae test, and it will provide results on the water uh, that you want to test in as little as 10 minutes. This is a huge uh, advance because uh, previously, the only option you had was to send it off to a specialty lab and wait two or three days to get your results. But now you can get in just a number of minutes, know if your local pond or public area that the dogs are swimming in has any of this blue-green algae. And we learned by reviewing this that sometimes the water can be clear. You don't always see the scum on the top of the surface of the water. So this might be useful.
0: So just because the water is clear doesn't mean it's not infected with the blue-green algae. That's right. That's right. And if you want to hear more about blue-green algae and the dangers it might pose to your dogs, check out Peter's interview with Dr. Robert Reed. That was
3: a few weeks ago. Lori, I just wanted to mention
0: this story
3: from 2018. I think uh, you'll get a kick out of this. This comes from Business Insider, so a serious business periodical and uh, print and online. And they wrote a huge, long article, or review article titled, The Best Cat Brushes You Could Buy. Cat brushes? Cat brushes from uh, Business Insider. That is funny. And, uh, Uh, It is just a detailed description of the reasons why you want to groom your cat and all the different classifications of cat brushes and grooming devices that Maybe are out there. Maybe we should buy there.
0: some stock and cat brushes. Cat, I,
3: I know it, but it just is a reflection of how deep our love for animals is uh, penetrating uh, the whole society. It sure when, is. And you see an article like this in Business Insider. And while we're here, I'll just tell you that their cat experts, if they if they have cat experts, uh, their best overall device was called the Furminator. Or deshedding tool they have the Best Slicker Brush, which is called the Safari Cat Self-Cleaning Slicker Brush. Best Curry Comb is the Kong Zoom Groom. Best for long hair is the Go Pet Steam Matting Comb. And their Best Kit is the Cat It Grooming Kit. And if you want more details, and there's a lot of detail, you can uh, find the 2018 Business Insider article about this.
0: I like the Furminator. Like the Furminator,
3: <laughs> ah. Anyway, they remind us that most cats do most of their own grooming, but you might want to augment it by giving them a, a brush or a comb through or whatever your cat needs maybe weekly and finally uh, jumping off to switzerland this caught my eye do you know it's illegal to own only one guinea pig in switzerland the geniuses there well maybe they're smarter than we are they decided that uh, guinea pigs are herd animals and they can be lonely so if you have one you have to have another to keep him company how about that and then if one guinea pig dies that leaves you with only one you can rent a guinea pig to be a companion for that one until that one passes away so you don't have a perpetual cycle of having to keep a two on hand. Isn't that interesting?
0: Do you get fined if you only have one guinea pig? Well, you know, it's the law. I don't I don't know.
3: You know, I don't know how it works in Switzerland. They have some other uh, laws like you can't have a solitary goldfish, they have to have at least uh, one companion. And parrots must either live or have the opportunity to socialize with other birds on a regular basis. It's
0: worthwhile to know that these animals get lonely and they need companionship. Yeah. Okay. Those Swiss, they're very uh, insightful, right? Okay, Lori, that's what I got today. Okay. Thank you, Peter. And thank you for tuning into Animals Today. I'm Dr. Lori Kirshner, encouraging you to nurture your love and compassion for the only other beings sharing our planet, the animals.